Welcome back to another episode of the Emerging Market Entrepreneur, and we have a special guest, Alison Collier, who is the Managing Director of Endeavor South Africa. Alison, welcome to the show, and thank you for being here with us. No, really, Sid, Alex, thanks so much for the opportunity, and it's a great series that uh, you guys are running. Wonderful to learn from our peers. So, Alison, just to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about what Endeavor does, and um, what are some of your thoughts about how the last uh, 12 weeks have been. Sure. So just in summary, Endeavor. Endeavor is a global organization headquartered out of New York, and it's a, effectively a management consulting business that supports medium-sized entrepreneurs um, to grow. And the, what's the, the reason for being for Endeavor is there to support particularly the, the job creation and revenue growth and economic growth in emerging markets. So it's got very much an NGO ethos, and the belief that Endeavor has is that through driving um, the growth of medium-sized entrepreneurs. So in, in South Africa's case, that would be entrepreneurs that have got a revenue of anywhere between sort of 20 million rand up to a billion rand, that those are really the engines of growth of an, of an economy. And those are really the enterprises or the, the businesses that can really make a big difference when it comes to job creation and then accelerating revenue growth for themselves and then for their, um, for their country. And what's Endeavour's... Um, really looks to deliver is to support those businesses across really three different areas. One is um, access to capital, so connecting these entrepreneurs to the right strategic uh, capital providers, whether it be equity or debt, could be in their local market or the international market which they're looking to expand to. The second is market access, so you know the businesses, typically the medium-sized entrepreneurs, if you're coming from uh, from South Africa, you're really looking to to be a medium-sized entrepreneur with that revenue um, number, you need to be looking to grow to be a leading position in South Africa or much more likely to actually be expanding and scaling into international markets. And so Endeavor, because of our global mentor network, as well as the local mentor network that we have, we just provide the right warm introductions to these entrepreneurs into these markets that they're looking to expand to. And that could be just to learn the lay of the land of that new market or else it could be the commercial introductions that they need to drive their, their revenue growth and their pipeline. Alternatively, it could also be to find the right team to set up their legal entity in these new markets that they're wanting to expand to. So that's the sort of suite of offerings. And I want to say the, the one thing that's really fundamental to Endeavor, it's all about paying it forward and giving back. So the entrepreneurs that we work with, one, they're this medium size, they're growing to market leading positions, really scaling rapidly, but there's a massive um, recognition that successful entrepreneurs and successful businessmen, businessmen or business, uh, business people, we've got a really a huge amount to contribute to the up and coming generation of entrepreneurs. And so it's absolutely fundamental for the teams that we work with that their founders and MDs are keen to provide um, input and to really give and share their experiences with the up and coming entrepreneurs so we can increase the impact. Um, and it's only through when you've been there and done it and built your own business, then you've got the scars to prove it, but then you're really in a great position to help and assist with the upcoming generation of entrepreneurs. Alison, also from my side, thank you for joining. Um, I mean, you are very close, as it seems like, to other entrepreneurs in the market. I mean, you're, you're sort of, uh, it sounds like their sounding board. So mm -hmm. my question is, like, how have you experienced the last 12 weeks? How has the response been from the portfolio companies that you are mm -hmm. sort of uh, 
interacting with and yeah what are some maybe positive and what are some negative um uh, things you that you've seen um uh, in the past yeah, couple of question and, it, and it's really been um I want to say it's been it's been a roller coaster and it's been all hands on deck both from our team side but I think even more so from the from the entrepreneurs that we work with. So perhaps just to contextualize it a little bit more before I get into the detail. Mm. So right now in Devon, South Africa, we work say with uh, 30 entrepreneurs who are Dev entrepreneurs. So they've passed an international selection panel. In addition to that, we work with another 50 to 80 entrepreneurs that are we would call them in our pipeline. So they're somewhat smaller businesses. So the Endeavor entrepreneurs, just to size it up, they uh, sort of 30 of them. Average revenue is 200 million. They're typically growing at about 27% growth rate on an annual basis. And in addition, they're growing their headcount at 29% or 30% a year. And just in summary, because of the um, huge amount of innovation that's happening in the tech space right now, of those 30 businesses, you know, 90% of them are tech-enabled or tech-focused businesses. So mm. really in the fintech space, SaaS businesses, mm. edtech, health tech, et cetera, et cetera. So I think with that, what we've seen is this massive acceleration to digitization. Mm. What this has enabled is these businesses are, they're not the smallest entrepreneurs, they're medium-sized. So um, they've got a really strong management team. They've typically got a, you know, really... Um, strong and partners in their on their cap table, so they've got a good cap table. And so what we're seeing is that because of their offering in the, is in the tech space, that typically these guys are incredibly well positioned to be able to deliver services through to their you know it's mostly B two B, so to the businesses that they that they're working with at a lower cost or more effectively. Specifically now that we're all remote working, mm. so but I do want to say that it's an incredibly challenging time. To be um, to be to be working, the trading conditions are incredibly tough. But what's really been amazing to see is how positively these businesses have responded to this new circumstances that we're sitting in. And they they've had to be, of course, like everyone else, really ruthless on preserving cash. Really, you know, working with their teams to ensure that they're focusing on all of the right things, adjusting their revenue and their the focus areas of what they are looking to drive. And these are big businesses. So some of the corporates that they're working with um, have been very negatively affected. So those that are customers in the aviation industry, you know, it's a, it's a really big problem. Those that have got big customers in the restaurant trade, also a big problem. But mm. what's been really encouraging to see is how quickly these businesses have looked to alternate revenue streams. So it's not saying that we've necessarily all been able to make up 100% of them, but majority have done exceptionally well. And then... On the other hand, there are a number of businesses that are positioned in e-commerce for online, guys that are positioned for online delivery. So in e-commerce, you know, Pargo, then we mm. can talk about Zulzi and OneCart on the delivery side. Um, and there are a whole host of others in the fintech space, like Intersect, um, Merchant Capital, I can keep on naming others. But the additional work that they've been able to deliver through to their customers and the revenue growth that they've seen as a result have been, I mean, phenomenal. WiseTalk is another one who's a, a tech commerce player. And they've had an increase versus last year on their usage of more than 300%. And they're a substantial business. They, they offer an incredible way for management to be able to communicate effectively with a, a very um, large workforce. So they do a lot of work with the mines, a lot of work with the big retailers, both here in South Africa and internationally. They've recently opened offices in Netherlands and their offering there is 
is uh, proving to be just as valued as what it is here. So there's some really great stories there. And I could go on and on. Clickatel is another one with uh, their chat commerce. And they've been able to um, step into the health tech or telehealth space. And so I've got some partnerships going, offering primary health care through a WhatsApp channel, giving a whole lot of um, blue-collar workers the opportunity to engage directly with health practitioners at like a you know, 50% lower cost per month than what it would have cost them before. And now because everyone's more comfortable with doing things from a distance, and it's actually quite expensive to go in right now to go and get care, that um, yeah. these, these new ways of working and these tech-enabled ways of doing things are really um, more are being adopted on a more broad basis. And so, so you recommend every entrepreneur to go into the tech space, it seems like. I would definitely say if you haven't explored it, I would, I would go for it. And that's even like businesses like uh, one of South Africa's um, leading BPOs, Callforce, led by Candice Roberts. Mm. They've had a, an amazing um, increase in demand, which you can just imagine now you can't, you know, no one's going into physical stores to get customer service. All of the servicing needs to happen remotely. Mm. So they've, you know, had another somewhere between 400 and 500 people in the course of April, which is almost yeah, increasing crazy. by 50%. They're all, you know, individuals that graduated mostly from a trick last year. They've managed to onboard all these individuals remotely, and it's, you know, it's black females that are primarily their, um, their employees. So it's just wonderful to see that, albeit that there is this huge, you know, we, we huge fallout that we're having economically, that when you focus on areas in the tech space and then the BPO space, which really are driving um, competitive advantage, increasing the workers' productivity, mm. that you really are investing in something that will increase the economic benefits um, for your customers and therefore for South Africa in the long term. So it's a really, there are pockets of opportunity and it's really impressive to see the, the entrepreneurs come to the, come to the party with this. And then maybe something else to mention in that same space, which has really been so encouraging to see, is how the entrepreneurs that we, we work with, whether they be the large entrepreneurs or in the pipeline, have been so open to discuss with each other, to find new ways of working together to deliver enhanced services out to business or to directly to end consumers. And this increased openness of looking for partnerships and looking for new ways of working has really been just so heartwarming to see while you're sitting in a time of crisis. And I think that's also something that, that you know, it's, it's in human nature when you work with people that are keen to give back and look for, um, you know, helping the upcoming generation. If you've got that mindset, then, you know, entrepreneurs, they're all, you know, you will be stronger as an entrepreneur when your community of entrepreneurs is stronger. And they really are living, living that out. And the amount of partnerships that have formed in this last 12-week period just between the Endeavor pipeline businesses that we work with and the entrepreneurs have been phenomenal to see. It's been incredibly impressive. And that's from some of the teams that have had excess staff that haven't, they haven't been able to um, really fully utilize their staff. They've learned them out to other teams where they've seen a big kick up in demand. And now some of those staff are coming back to the original businesses. Those are one example, but it's more they're real partnerships where teams have chosen to work together to offer a more an enhanced service out to the, to the customers, and it's fantastic to see that. Alison, I want to uh, come back to uh, the, the 
the 10% you haven't spoken of just yet. So you said 90% of the clients you work with are in the tech space and there's 10% that are still in the traditional um, brick and mortar legacy businesses. How are they navigating um, the current circumstances? So, yeah, so how they're navigating it, I want to say it's, it's extremely difficult. If your revenue runs down to zero because you're forced not to sell during a crisis, I mean, you, you have no revenue. So what those businesses have done is, is one of the items I mentioned is look for ways to, to utilize their staff through, through companies that they see near to them, that they would be able to, um, you know, sort of hire them out on a temporary basis so that then when they have the opportunity to be able to sell again, they're in a, in a position to have their staff back. They've also used that time period to really look at their, um, their, some of the new um, services or the new products that they were going to get out to market a bit later and seeing are, is there some of this work we can actually do now? So can we utilize this time to really do some of the innovation work that otherwise we were going to do a bit later? Um, but more importantly, what they've also done is said, hey, like actually we, we, we're going to focus on some areas that potentially are more robust or will, will, are, are going to be less influenced through a volatile market. And so, for example, some of the businesses that we work with in the construction space or, say, in the signage space, they've moved to focus more on maintenance contracts rather than focusing on new builds. And, hey, is it as much revenue? It's not quite as much revenue. And then, in addition, they've offered a, a wider set of services out to that existing base. So, and they're effectively, you know, looking, looking forward, if you're in a construction business, it's, it's going to be, you know, a much much lower cost to do a refurb versus it is to do a full build and the sure. same thing for, for signage so those are two examples but the other part that is very difficult is if you actually just are not allowed to trade and you're in the tourism industry you know then you cannot trade and so then you use those teams that are looking for you know enhancing your innovation trying to do things completely differently and have virtual uh, virtual experiences but I mean, we do need to be frank that it has got a limit to how much you can do. So Absolutely. I received an email the other day for a virtual whiskey tasting, which I thought was quite interesting. <laughs> okay. I think that's very hard. That's, that's pushing it. Yes. They need to deliver that bottle of whiskey to your house before they can do that. Otherwise, it's a little bit unfair. <laughs> right. So uh, something you said earlier about uh, the mindset change to remote work, um, I've seen this as well over the last 12 weeks. People that um, mm. said that they would never work remotely have now actually started enjoying it and become mm. a lot more productive. So is it fair to say that the current pandemic is just catalyzing the kind of digital transformation that would have happened anyway, but it's just happening sooner? So what is, what is the future look like from a remote working uh, point of view from your perspective yeah so i want to say what a great question and i think lots of people have shared their views on this so it's a, it's a very well discussed subject i think each each team is going to find their right balance but one thing that i mean i i do i mean part of your question has this has this accelerated the trend we're already on for sure like is this a trend we were on yes to be able to work effectively when you're working digitally, it does take a little bit of time to learn what the tools are, how to use them, how to use them effectively, not just how to use them. So you, so you can really deliver as much value in the remote experience. And we've got a lot to learn in that space. And there's still a ton of innovation that's going to happen there, but it saves you an enormous amount of time when you don't have to have the travel involved to get to every meeting. And it means that you can now 
use experts that are sitting anywhere in the world to collaborate with on whatever it is that you're wanting to work with. And one thing that I think this remote working is so exciting for businesses that are based in South Africa and other emerging markets where our cost of labor is so much lower than the cost of labor typically in other markets. But now, you know, we can get just as close to, to our biggest customer in the US or our biggest customer in Singapore, wherever they are, as the business that's actually sitting, you know, is their next door neighbor geographically to where they're based, whether it's the US and Singapore. So it enables us to, and we do have a massive um, labor cost differential. So, you know, effectively, if you're offering a service from an emerging market, everywhere else in the world has to offer that remote service remotely too now. So you, you really have got such an increase, such an increased opportunity and really to if effectively go and sell to these, these large customers. And is it difficult? Is it hard? Is it going like, to happen overnight? Of course, it's very difficult and it's hard and it's going to take a while for us to get this right. But mm. the opportunity is now there because the customers on the other side, they're happy to take that call. And the more senior parties who you, we often used to take a little while to get in touch with, they've got a little bit more time in their diaries now as well. So they we're able to get more introductions in than ever before. And Absolutely. something that we're seeing our, our best tech entrepreneurs actually doing is before, like in South Africa, the market here is quite limited. Mm. So to buff up your cash flow as you were preparing yourself to launch internationally, you would offer you know, your, your core product, plus typically a suite of products that was around it to, to beef up your, your cash flow through your existing customer base in South Africa. And now what a lot of the teams are saying is, no, now with this remote style of working and the fact that I can sell internationally as easily as if I was sitting in an international market, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to double down on my product expertise and really narrow my focus and accelerate the development of what is my... Um, key value proposition to the market and really focus on that because I know I can, um, you know, the more that I focus on that, the sooner I'll be able to expand internationally, even through remote selling. Mm. So there, there are positives and negatives, but I, I definitely think it's, um, this is, it has just accelerated us along a journey that we, we were already on. So you say, let's focus on opportunities. But if you look at, at, the, at the different um, entrepreneurs that you work with, um, because there are a lot of entrepreneurs listening here, and I just want to see what sort of what is the typical framework, what's the thought process, what's the mindset, what's the process for an entrepreneur right now that you've seen that's working really well to tap into those opportunities. Um, mm. Mm. Is, there, is there something that you've proven to see that's working um, um, versus something that's not working? Um, and you, you mean specifically for entrepreneurs in South Africa or... I mean, generally, I mean, you know, a specific, um, you know, roadmap that some of the entrepreneurs that you've uh, worked with um, or any tools that they've used to come up with the right things. So really practically, you know, what have they done? Uh, the ones that are succeeding right now and tapping into opportunities. Mm. So also, I, I don't want this to come across as flippant and this is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. So it's, it's, a, it's a big challenge. And also, entrepreneurs that are sitting in this disruptive tech space, I mean, they are perfectly positioned to enjoy um, this opportunity that is presented through accelerated digitization. So that's definitely not, not every business is, is as fortunate to be sitting in that position. Um, that being said, it's, it's, 
it's mostly that these entrepreneurs that we're working with are gaining market share rather than significantly increasing their revenue right now. Mm. So it's more about that they're going to come through this and then they're going to be stronger to be able to, when the economy starts um, coming out of the recession, mm. that they'll be well positioned to grow out of it. So I, I don't want to come across like I'm uh, saying every, everything's all roses. It's definitely not. But what we've seen has really helped um, in this period is, I think you've gone through all of you know managing your cash and getting the right strategic investors and really focusing on you know making sure you're just focusing on the revenue that's absolutely critical and you press pause on those other items which aren't really going to make a big difference to your business in the very short term because you need to survive you need to do what it takes to survive so you can come out of this and you've got enough in reserves so you can come out of it strongly and invest behind the growth that you want to achieve as you're coming out so um what we've seen is, is working really well is the entrepreneurs that get a, a good feeling from which customers of theirs they're going to be able to accelerate their revenue growth more rapidly and which sectors those customers sit in and also mm. which geographies and then really think about it actually first at a bit of a macro level of, of who is best positioned to actually help you to create more revenue as you're coming out of this and then work back from there. Sounds a bit theoretical, but it really makes a big difference. You need to focus where in the industries that are going to have money, they're going to be able to buy whatever you're selling. And you, you can pick and choose because typically if you're in a tech-enabled business, you've got a set of services and you, you need to focus on which customers are going to be coming out of the stronger and therefore who's going to be wanting your product or who's really going to need to reduce their cost base and you're offering a, a solution that's much cheaper. I don't know. It depends what, you, what you're offering. But yeah. something that we've also seen as being really valuable. So one is having the really um, thorough conversations with your customers same thing with your suppliers and then secondly is thirdly is with the entrepreneurs that are your peers that are playing in a similar space in the market to learn from them what trends they're seeing um, and what um, and that's trends both on the revenue side and also on the cost side as well as the adoption so who's willing to move first and where where's the money lying which geography is is looking like they're, they're more open for business than the next one. But the partnerships that we've seen um, that have been established through entrepreneurs during this time, just in this portfolio of businesses that we work here in South Africa has been phenomenal. And that's definitely going to um, bode well for them, one, to get through this, and two, that they're in a better position when they come out of it. So I'd really encourage entrepreneurs to engage with their peers, directly engage with their customers, as well as their suppliers and really get on the front foot as much as possible with whatever those trends are that um, that everyone is seeing in the market and share and learn from each other because we're all going through this for the first time. And uh, I want to say the investors and your strategic partners on your cap table are also a phenomenal source of advice and guidance. And they'll also be the ones to provide additional capital for you when you need it. So definitely uh, stay close to them. So changing gears for a second, on, uh, I'm glad you brought up investors. Um, I'm sure a lot of companies that you work with and, and all companies in general are uh, strapped for cash and are looking at fundraising options right now. As a, as a uh, 200 million rand company or smaller, um, what are some of the financing options that you have uh, in mm. this current environment? And are investors willing to write checks and take uh, bets on, on companies that may or may not survive for the next 12 months? So, you know, it's, it's a bit like your same question to me earlier. Of like we spoke about the 90% of the businesses we work with and then the 10%. Mm -hmm. So what's been really interesting to see is that 
there has been amazing amount of appetite to invest behind the um, entrepreneurs that are playing in areas in the tech enabled space that people see have been their revenue or their market share has been gains have been accelerated. So anyone in the ed tech space, specifically if you're doing B2, B2B to corporate online, then also ed tech directly to, um, to, to school learners and to university learners, the same thing, health tech, mm. fintech, insure tech, smart city, I can just keep calling them out, but mm -hmm. all of those businesses, we have seen the most in the last four or five months, there've been, I would say five businesses that we work with closely that have probably raised and closed successfully capital rounds that are bigger than what they've ever raised before. And so I want to say the capital is there. You just need to be, if you're sitting in the right space where people can see that you're, um, you're going to benefit from this coming out of this and you're going to benefit through this because you're well position, positioned for remote working, then what you're offering is, uh, is just more cost effective than the legacy systems. Then there definitely is capital that's there and available and the deal's closed. So it's not as though the VCs are sitting there not making calls. Where you definitely don't want to, to be in a position that you are, are selling too much equity. So it's all, I mean, price discussion is, is a hard mm -hmm. one. No one knows quite uh, what, the, what the multiples will be or how revenue growth will materialize. Mm -hmm. So it's hard, but the capital is there. What's very difficult is if you're sitting in a place where you're not in, a, in an industry, like I want to say construction is one of them, that's going to be you know, anyone's guess on when that's going to come back. Property is potentially another one, but that's much harder. And no, we don't have that many good stories to report that. But on the, on the side of VC capital, growth, um, growth funds, whether they're local in South Africa or international, I mean, Go One closed a $40 million round quite recently, and that's mm -hmm. online um, ed tech, mm -hmm. phenomenal offering. Well done, um, Melvin. That's Melvin Leberger, yes, and Andrew Bond. <laughs> what a great team. No, they're doing incredibly well. And then Skynimo is another one. They closed a $30 million round in uh, SAM in the beginning of this year with five elms from the US. Mm. Aerobotics is, uh, you know, they're in the middle of their capital raise. They've closed mm. 100 million rand with NASPAS a couple of weeks ago. Then Agritech, food sustainability. So the money is there for businesses that are, are going to benefit from this increased digitization. But... It is difficult. Yeah, it's not uh, not easy to put a price or, or, or to value those companies right now. But sure. the, the now there's a lot of uncertainty. What we've seen also around this because um, investors are scared that the multiples are generally not going to be as high as they used to be. Um, investors are also scared that their portfolio, half of their portfolio, is, is not going to be the same. Um, mm -hmm. So they're putting a lot of uh, risk adjustments on new investments. So um, um, uh, th there's a lot of movement and nobody really knows which calls are going to be the right ones at the moment. Um, yeah, and I, I want to say, so it's, it's a bit, what you always say to the entrepreneurs is, is, you know, we, we both don't know. So, mm -hmm. you know, us as the entrepreneur, us as the investor, it's, you know, so we've just got to, and if you feel that that valuation is, you know, lower than what you really believe, then take maybe a bit less equity, you know, make the round a bit smaller and then wait until you um, mm -hmm. deliver more revenue and then we come through this and we have a bit more clarity. But because we don't know the timing of coming out of this, it's, uh, it is hard. And so if you're seeing that valuation is a good one, perhaps you, your round should be a bit bigger, but it's mm -hmm. uh, it is a judgment call. It's, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I can speak from my experience here. I mean, we uh, took the route of, of debt equity, and so we didn't uh, raise another round. Um, and we, we put in shareholder loans, and we got the COVID-19 um, uh, um, yeah. loan facility from, thank you, Standard Bank. <laughs> and um, that, that really worked uh, quite well, um, and it was, it was quite effortless. Um, and so I have to really say that what the, what the banks put together there was was uh, incredibly amazing for for the entrepreneurs out there. Alex, but that kind of goes to Alison's point earlier. If you are one of those companies in the technology space, and the ninety percent there is money available, if you're a print publisher like we are, and go to the bank for money, they're going to turn you away, which is exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, it's very tough, and I mean that. I just I want to say it is. It's very tough. Um, but yeah, we are glad to hear that those COVID-19 loans from the banks are moving for industries that are sitting in a good space. That's great news. We definitely need, need more of that. And I think the banks have never worked harder and they've had to readjust all their risk models. So big hats off to them. But yeah, we've got a, a long way to go on this. But it's good to see that the VCs are, are actually still deploying capital, uh, closing deals and writing checks that are very sizable. Um, mm enables our business to grow. But on that, we're seeing a lot more convertible notes, a lot more interest in safes, because mm -hmm. why? Because we're just uncertain of the what the pricing is going to be, but it can go either way, right? So it's, um, but that's the trend that we see. 100%. I believe that's all we have time for. Um, Alison, thank you so much for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure speaking to you from yes, Alex and myself uh, until next thank week. Thank you, Alison. Listen, thank you guys. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of your series. <laughs>